0: This is the place where freedom lives. My name is Quran, and I'm your host. Welcome to Love, Music, Pleasure. Welcome to Quranism. Hello, and welcome. I'm Quran, your host. Today, we listen into my conversation with Dr. Andrea Pennington and discuss her newest book, The Orgasm Prescription for Women 21 Days to Heighten Pleasure deeper intimacy and orgasmic bliss dr pennington is an integrated physician acupuncturist meditation teacher and sex educator she's the author of the pennington plan and co-author of the international bestseller heart to heart the path to wellness as well as co-author of resilience through yoga and meditation doc is not your average physician she's a powerhouse of brilliance and beauty and I count it a privilege to call her friend. This interview was also featured on the Black Girl Nerds podcast and is not suitable for children. We go in on intimacy, autonomy, and taking responsibility for our own pleasure. Listen in. We often discuss the many ways women are taught to deny ourselves pleasure. The famous line from the song, I can't get no satisfaction rings true, for far too many. In her new book, The Orgasm Prescription for Women, Dr. Andrea Pennington opens the floodgates and unlocks the truth about the treasure, the big O. This is a woman who's really starting something, and it's no surprise she's the one pulling back the veil of shame and uncertainty when it comes to loving ourselves and getting to the love and pleasure we deserve. Dr. Andrea, welcome to Quranism Show.
1: Oh, thank you, Karan. It is always good to connect with you.
0: I um, am so inspired by this book. But why do people shy away and recoil when you say the word orgasm?
1: (laughs) Yeah, right? It's a a good question. In this day and age, you'd think we were past some of that puritanical nonsense. I was shocked to find that there are still people who blush and who shy away from it. But you know what? It's um, I think because for women, at least, the idea that we should be able to talk about, to plan and prioritize our pleasure, um, the time has come. I think what we, many of us, have taken on, you know, in this role as moms or as mompreneurs or CEOs and whatnot we've put ourselves last on the list for far too long and when it starts to impact your intimate relationship that's when i get a little bit upset because what we see now is this degre- this continued degradation of the family Right. And I'm not saying that sex is everything, but we know that sex is the glue it's for a lot. good relationship, <laughs> you know? And it's so funny because people always said that finances would ruin a marriage. But what I heard doing the research for this book was, you know what, if even if our finances make us pissed off, if we got the sex all right, we can come together and work out the finances.
0: Right, right.
1: So what I found is that women need to have a safe place, like what you're creating, to talk about sex, pleasure our desires. It is not wrong for you to desire sex or pleasure. It is normal and natural, and it is your human right. So I don't know why it's still such a scary topic, but I know that we're going to break it down right now.
0: All right. Do people assume this book is just about sex?
1: Yeah, they do. Coming in with a title like The Orgasm Prescription for Women, yes. Yes. They think it's about the orgasm, but I, you've read the book, you know it's so, so, so much more than that. And it's been really a blessing for me in the last couple of years to hear women express gratitude for it, mainly because it's allowed them to heal. Because as you know, orgasm is you know one thing that a, a normal healthy woman might chase, but if you're a woman who's had any type of sexual trauma, or abuse in your past, orgasm is something that many of these women don't even think about because they can't even be intimate. They don't even allow themselves to get into that vulnerable space. And that's been the biggest surprise for me, to be quite honest. It's the number of women that said, yeah, the orgasm would be nice, but I can't even have sex because they're still hung up on the past drama and trauma that they've experienced.
0: That's something that we don't often talk about when it comes to sexuality. The fact that so many women, I I think I can honestly say in my lifetime, I've only met two women who had never, ever been violated in any way in their entire lives. Only two, but yet we don't talk about how trauma factors into our current sexuality, how we feel about ourselves, our bodies, and being able to express ourselves sexually
1: yeah. And what's sad is that most women aren't even aware that, you know, some statistics say one in two women have experienced some sort of trauma, whether that's, you know, just being fondled, maybe not, you know, full on rape or molestation, but even just being fondled or touched inappropriately. Now, that's really high, Quran. One that's, in two women.
0: That's every other woman. Literally. Exactly.
1: And then when you think about the men, that statistic, we don't even really know because so many boys and men don't tell. They don't share that because of the shame. And, you know, even women don't share it because of the the feelings of guilt. And oftentimes women aren't believed. People just actually say, oh, you wanted that or, oh, you you were a participant in that. And so it's been really shocking just to see the number of people who've remained silent for years and suffered without any type of support.
0: What made you decide to pen this book now? I know about your Dr. Oz visit a few years ago where people were shocked and stunned that you actually prescribed three orgasms a week for every woman. So why Mm -hmm. this book now? (laughs) Well,
1: you know the deal. I- Life changing. uh (laughs) Uh-huh, right? But you know what, I wasn't ready. I. When I did that Dr. Oz segment, I wasn't anticipating that people were going to come out and say, oh, my God, help me. I'm, I'm not having an orgasm. Um, what's wrong with me? Um, because as you know, that segment was about heart disease and diabetes and yes. cancer. But a lot of women were saying, okay, I understand now. You're saying that if my blood sugar's messed up or I have poor nerve conduction from diabetes, um, that could impact my libido and my ability to achieve orgasm. But the women who were saying, uh, my blood sugar's fine, but I'm still not getting off. <laughs> it, it opened up this dialogue to talk to women about what was going on in their heads, in their brains and in their relationships. And I wasn't quite ready for that. It took a few years for me to actually be comfortable, um, you know, counseling people who weren't like my patient. This was just people just randomly calling me up or sending me emails. And at first I was like, is this a crank or someone just trying to get weirdo, you know, sex tips? But as you know, when I hosted that show, Sexy Facts, um, with Dr. Michael Dow, it allowed me, you know, because it was radio, it was, you know, anonymous. I could just sort of put on my doctor hat and Mm -hmm. talk about it. And I think the popularity of Sexy Facts And the continued responses from people is what gave me confidence to to write the book. Um, And, you know, I I always tell the story that I was with some amazing women in Iceland and we were doing a business strategy session. And as we girls do, (laughs) someone was writing on the whiteboard and someone said, hey, okay, I I need to go to the ladies room. Uh, I'll be back. You know, when you take a break and you've been working all day, you start to doodle. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And someone was drawing arrows And then the arrow turned into a penis. (laughs) (laughs) The conversation turned to sex. Uh And what was crazy was one of the women, the the head of marketing, said, you know, jokingly, hey, when I was doing my MBA, I wrote up an entire business plan on um, a sex-oriented business. And I thought, really? And I said, well, I've always wanted to write this book about the orgasm prescription. And then the room got silent. What? Every, everyone stopped. They looked at me. They looked at her. They looked at me and they said, what are we doing? We're planning the wrong business. We need to plan a business around sex. Wow. <laughs> and that's when I said, really? And they were like, yes, you write the book. We'll create the website. We'll do this and this. And it was because I was in maybe a protected environment with women who got it. They knew that I didn't want to become some weirdo sex whatever. I'm not a sex guru. I'm a doctor, you know, with, with this background in neuroscience. You're not just a
0: doctor. You're a super doctor. You, (laughs) please please clue them in. You're not just any doctor. I met you, you had the fabulous Pennington Institute in Silver Spring, Maryland. Um, and you practice everything from primary care to Chinese acupuncture. So super doc, please give them a little bit of your background. Yeah,
1: It's true. Uh, and, you know, it's thank you for that. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not one to, you know, show off. But my background is very unique. Um, I trained in, in America at a traditional medical school. Uh, I started learning acupuncture in my fourth year of med school, where I was trained for alcohol and drug detox. And doing addiction treatment, that led me into the world of trauma. So I got more training on what it is you know, what happens in the brain after trauma? What is PTSD? How can acupuncture, Chinese herbs, meditation, breath work, all of that can actually impact trauma and addiction. Then, as you know, Dr. P, my mother, we joined forces when we created the Pennington Institute, and she had been using acupuncture for women who had eating disorders. So we started treating binge eating disorder and just weight challenges. And that's when we really created this comprehensive, holistic approach. So bringing in positive psychology, neuroscience, Chinese medicine, and just love and spirituality. And a salon that, and spa. Yeah, that's true. Because yeah. you know, because once you get your body right, you like, you got to look fly. Right. You got to right. be pampered. And that's a big deal because women weren't pampering themselves. We beat ourselves up a lot internally and externally. So yes, I'm not just your average doctor. I do a lot. And I felt that the women that I was working with in Iceland got it. And that's what gave me the confidence to say, okay, if I'm going to do this book, and you've seen it, it's over 300 pages. Yeah, am just going to do it right. So we brought in the deep psychology work. To help a woman get past any of her inner hang-ups, her trauma and drama, her lack of self-confidence, her body issues. We brought in mindfulness and meditation because it helps lower stress, but it also helps accelerate and potentiate orgasms, you know, and bringing in Tantra and sacred sexuality, as well as just general health so that women would understand their body and their hormones and their brain. So that's what led me to write the book. I wanted to empower women to get a full understanding of their body and brain and their soul so that they could live orgasmically.
0: I want to touch on something you mentioned and that's sacred sexuality. Because so many women don't make the mind-body connection when it comes to sex and their bodies and and the mind. But there is yet another barrier for those of particular faiths, especially, um, I'm a Christian, I'm a sex-positive Christian, but I am a Christian, um, whose faith dictates something different. Oftentimes, we are preached to and taught that it's only within the confines of marriage, anything else, you're going straight to hell. Um, and there becomes the, the this, this continues to grow throughout our lifetimes where we no longer have even in our own minds, control of our bodies or the right to our bodies. So what do you say about the sacredness and the spirituality about sexuality and balancing that with faith? Hmm.
1: So glad you bring it up. It's deep. I know that there is a divine design in creating this beautiful body that we call humanity. All right. So our bodies and our brains are literally wired for pleasure. Mm -hmm. And it's not just around procreation. If we were able to strip back the changes that were made to the Bible okay let's 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 break it down because remember around 500 AD break they it down were so ever be broke let it forever be broke <laughs> and it's not just about sex it's about all kinds of powers that the divine gave to us humans I mean let's break it down Jesus the Christ said all these things that I do you shall do and more so we're talking about the miraculous power of humanity, yes. as well as this divine, sacred act that is sex, that is meant for pleasure. And yes, procreation is part of it. But there was never intended to be this thing about shame and guilt that was propagated by people over you know, 2,000 years ago, who wanted to control us. And let's break it down. The sexual energy that flows through our body and brain is the most potent energy on the planet. We have the power to create life that makes us like God. And so if you're the head of the church, what do you want to do? You want to prevent people from having a power like God. And so... Things got stripped out of the Bible, things got changed, and Mm -hmm. things were propagated down the line to make us fear our sexuality, feel guilt and shame around sexuality, and that wasn't intended. But I know that that's hard to argue with, and I mention that in the book. I get it. So I, I ask you to go within and really check yourself and ask, would God really create me to have something so potent, and yet I've got to control it or deny it? I just ask you to, you know, let that one sink in on your own. But I, as you know, I I have been sharing that there are several personality types that end up having problems with sex. And one of those personality types is what I call the woman who is blessed, but repressed.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: And, you know, I, I spent my time in, the, in, the, in my holy roller days, as I call it, when I was Bible thumping and preaching Somebody to folks. say a
0: word.
1: <laughs> amen, amen. And, girl, I was there. Yes, but
0: Lord.
1: I, uh-huh. And there were women who were, indeed, truly blessed. They would walk around talking about how blessed they were and how God was faithful, and yet they were repressed not only with sexuality, in other ways as well. But I, I believe, as I've you know gone around the world and studied different cultures, there are many cultures that believe that sex, the exchange of energy between two partners, is a divine and sacred act. And when we can look at it in that way, we can look at it as a, a gift. We give our beloved a gift. Mm-hmm to interact with us on that most deep, profound, and intimate level. And when you can reclaim that, it gives a woman power, not just power over someone, but the power to say, I am divine, I am beautiful, I am sensual, and this is my right. And that is empowering. The reason I am so emphatic about this Quran is because, guess what, when you look at a woman who is not fully tapped into her sensuality, it's not just in the bedroom that she suffers; it's in the boardroom. It's
0: everywhere. It,
1: it's in the carpool when she's taking the kid. It affects a woman's ability to be fully present and fully tapped into her energy as a woman, as a parent, as a lover, as a business owner, and and that's why I'm on a you know my little crusade.
0: <laughs> I tell you, um, I've struggled with this—not with orgasm, but with cuz i i don't I,
1: <laughs> there she go
0: <laughs> i'm straight um i'm good um <laughs> but i've struggled i've struggled my whole life with the kind of power and energy that you speak of when it comes to my sexuality when it comes to my sensuality when it comes to i call it my womanity when it comes to my womanhood
1: um
0: mm. and and knowing that I can literally shift an atmosphere just by showing up.
1: Yes. Because of
0: the level of, because of the level of, of certainty of connection Mm -hmm. that I have with myself that doesn't come from without that comes from within, but it has always been in direct challenge with my faith because Mm. my faith says, well, it's not even my faith that's saying it. Folk in the faith say one thing. Mm -hmm. And we, from the time we are born, girls are taught to deny ourselves everything but sacrifice. Yep. We are expected to sacrifice everything, including our bodies and not experience any of the benefits of pleasure. Yeah. And even in my radio show, it's, it's, it's rhythm and blues and soul music and alternative. And I take deep dives into music and issues about love. But even in that, my mantra is come for the love, stay for the pleasure.
1: Mm, Yes.
0: Come for the love and stay for the pleasure. Because I believe that once we tap into our source, there's no other word for it. The source of what's inside of us, we become better citizens. We become better mothers. We become better friends. We become much better lovers, darling. Oh yes. (laughs) But with the book, um, the orgasm prescription for women, you also talk about how a lack of orgasm can be an indication of medical issues that might've otherwise been hidden. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we mentioned that on, the, on that Oz segment that for women who are not achieving orgasm, yes, it could be your own mental hangups, but it could also be a sign of diabetes, you know, type two diabetes, for example, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, um, certainly, there are other women who've had problems with neurological challenges like MS. Um, and in addition, menopause, you know, seeing that waning libido and that inab- inability to achieve, you know, adequate juiciness that we get in the arousal stage and then later orgasm. So, in the book, I, I lay out, you know, a very detailed list of things that a woman should consider and that she can go to her primary care physician or her OBGYN to have them evaluated. Because, you know, I like I like to give it the breakdown of normally our brain picks up signals in our environment from our beloved, or it could come from, you know, just within. You're thinking, oh, I really want this tonight. And then the brain sends a signal to increase the blood flow and the lubrication to your lady parts. Mm-hmm. Now, if the blood flow to your lady parts is blocked or impeded because you have high blood sugar that's making your blood vessels all sticky or high blood pressure that's made them so tight and and constricted that the blood flow is not getting there or your diabetes might be on that edge where it's destroying your nerve conduction. You're not gonna feel that sensation down there that leads to pleasure. So those are kind of the things that I want women to be aware of because remember, Diabetes and high blood pressure are called, both of them, the silent silent killers killers. because we don't have symptoms until something goes wrong, like a heart attack, a stroke, something like that. Mm. And so if we can be mindful to look for these little signals, and again, many women won't even mention this to their doctors. Just like you said in the opening, people are afraid to even mention the big O. So how often is a woman going to say to her physician, you know, I'm not really achieving orgasm like I used to. And I want women to be more aware that it could be a sign of something. That's not always, but what I advocate for is get your blood sugar and your blood pressure checked. keep an eye on your weight and your cholesterol every year so that you can see if there's a trend. If something starts trending upward that you need to be in check, get it early because all of these things are treatable and preventable.
0: Absolutely. What about our young women? You have a daughter. I have daughters. Two of my daughters are adults. One of them is gone on in her own life. And and I still have two daughters at home and I got a brand new brand new grandbaby. And she's just a little tiny baby. But how or what or when is it appropriate and how is it appropriate to discuss pleasure with our girl children?
1: Mmm. That's a beautiful question. We have to do it early and often and without any shame and without any, you know, I grew up in a time when a lot of people, and people do it today, people called them private parts. Yes. And there's a movement among sex educators to not necessarily call them private parts because that means we need to hide them and we have to be ashamed of them. no. They're your parts. It's part of your body, and your vagina is just like your elbow. It's a part of you. you. And there are parts of you that create pleasure, and when it's appropriate, you and your beloved may it go there. Now, the word private comes in when you find your daughter on the couch masturbating, you know, out, out there. You say, honey, it's your body. You have a right to touch it, it might give you pleasure. But I think you should do that in your bedroom with the door, you know. So it's not this this feeling that, you know, you want to shame them or make them feel like, oh, I can't touch. Oh, that's dirty or it's wrong. We need to be able to have the conversation, just like if you saw your kid picking boogers. You'd say, honey, can I get your tissue? You know, <laughs> I see you got some clothes. You know, I mean, okay, that was probably a gross example. But we have to feel comfortable talking about the body and not making girls feel like it's something so taboo because when those hormones kick in and it's a natural phenomenon for us to start feeling, ooh, wait, that boy suddenly he he used to be annoying but now suddenly he's looking how is she going to process that? How is she going to process that if she's feeling like all of those sensations and those things are wrong or bad? Yeah. We have to let her know that in the context of a great relationship, yeah, that's normal. And you know, yeah, you're probably going to kiss a few frogs before you find your Prince charming. But I believe those conversations have to happen early, often and with no judgment and do your best parents. I know it ain't always easy to just try to act like, okay, this is not an awkward conversation I'm having. I'm just going to act like it's totally fine.
0: (laughs) It's not awkward. Like my initially my kids thought I was crazy. Well, they still do kind of think I'm crazy, but (laughs) I'm, I'm very open with them. I tell them the truth and, and, I remember one of my family members pulling me up saying, you know, you, 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 the way you talk to your children. And I said, first of all, the way I talk to my children is my decision. It's my business, Mm -hmm. but I tell them the truth. I'm not going to lie to you about what happens if someone touches you and your body responds, but you know, it's wrong. I'm not going to lie because that's what keeps that silence that those private parts. I'm not going to lie to you about sex being a pleasurable experience, but you have to know when you're ready for it. You mm-hmm. know when you're ready for it. And, you know, in the context of that, we live in such a culture of that, that does not respect women. So mm. what do we teach our sons? What do we say to our young men about, not just about respect And not raping and not violating women, but a woman's right to pleasure, a woman's right to know, a woman's right to determine when and where and how and how good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, again, it has to happen early. Right. We need to tell our young men that, you know, your body is a gift. Her body is a gift. And it's something that you exchange and you share consensually. And that means if it's a gift, you treat it with respect. You treat it with gentleness and care. And, hey, guys, yes, you're going to feel some some twinges and some things going on, but you're not out just for your pleasure. Bear in mind, this is meant to be a mutual experience. If we can get boys thinking that up front, that's a help. And the second thing I'll say to the boys out there (laughs) is, Porn, it's ubiquitous. It's so easy to get a hold of. And more boys tend to consume porn earlier mm-hmm. and more often than their female counterparts. And I would say this, bear in mind that porn is not a documentary. <laughs> it's fake. Yeah. It's fake. Those are actors. And the stuff that they're doing with some of those girls may not be what a normal non-actor would actually enjoy. So you always have to be in communication with your partner.
0: I am so grateful for this time with you today. Do you? I, I usually like to give the floor to my guests uh, to give a final word of encouragement, uh, uplift, um, to contribute something of of greater value, a seed, if you will. Um, mm. I, I would love for you to have a few words and uh, and for well. me. Because I love
1: you so much. I love you too, Karan. You know you're my girl. (laughs) Through the years, across the miles, we both moved around and we stay in touch. And I love it. (laughs) Well, you know what? I would say the thread that has gone throughout this entire conversation is to remind our that you are a divine being and you have a right to pleasure. You have a right to orgasm. You have a right to just live fully and orgasmically. And the good news is you're already built for it. Um, We have this ability to tune into our senses and we can amplify and ride the waves of ecstasy. So that means you ain't got to worry about your partner. If your partner ain't got skills, you can amp up your own orgasmic potential. So anyone who's listening, if you would like to try the 21-day program that is in my book, The Orgasm Prescription, you can do it for free. Go to 21daysofbliss.com and you can listen to a daily ritual, a meditation. There's a little sex exploration activity. And doing these activities for 21 days is going to help you tune into your body's innate sensual capacity. And you may find, like many of my peeps have, that you're able to achieve orgasm without your partner doing anything. And I know that sounds crazy, but that's the uplift. Sounds
0: delightful. <laughs> sounds amazing.
1: <laughs> so I just want to thank you, Karan. I love what you're doing, keeping it positive, bringing the love, and, and just having this open dialogue. And remember, we, we need to connect again around mental health. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Yes, we shall. Dr. Andrea Pennington, author, super doc, guru, my muse, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure. As always,
0: you can learn more about Dr. Pennington at andreapennington.com and makeyourmarkglobal.com. Love, Music, Pleasure is a production of Quranism Media. Visit us online at Quranism.com.